Hi, I'm Stacey Schumacher-Rowan, Editor-in-Chief of Hospitality Design Magazine with HD's What I've Learned podcast. Every other week, we sit down with the stars of the design world to learn about their journey, where they are now, how they got here, and what they've learned along the way. Together, we'll get inspired, hear behind the stories from some of the world's most notable hospitality projects, hear the ups and downs of creating a business, and dive headfirst into all things design. From architects and designers to hoteliers and entrepreneurs, and all the multifaceted talents in between. Join me to meet the passionate people who make up this industry. It's important to take the time to pick the right partners. Um, you know, I think about my partnership with Carlos, which is 14 years long, and I think it's operating better today than it ever has. And it's made both of our lives better and the quality of lives better. And I think it's about being patient, picking the right partners. Hi, I'm here with Matt Kliegman of Authentic Hospitality. Matt, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, excited to chat with you. So we always start at the beginning. Where did you grow up? I grew up on Long Island in a, a town called Plainview, which is kind of the easternmost part of, of Nassau County before you get to Suffolk County. And I went to NYU. Yeah. Uh, freshman at NYU in 2001. And started throwing parties while a student. Um, and had a quick stop or not so quick stop at JP Morgan. Four year pit stop. And, and then was focused on hospitality full time after that got it were you a creative kid uh were you creative as a kid or any kind of early you know memories of you know restaurants bars hotels growing up i i was entrepreneurial as a kid okay. i was i was i was athletic but i i did love the city like when it came to choosing a university you know i i was pretty set on going to school in a city Yep. While most of my peers at the time went to schools in, you know, campus environments, uh, I was always a, a, a city guy. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so you went to NYU and you started throwing parties. Um, what kind, were they like big parties? Were they organized parties? Tell us a little bit about those early days. They were, I remember... You know, I had I had kind of fallen in with a a group of kids from Los Angeles and and New York City in the in the dorm. We were living on Washington Square West, and you know they were affluent, and I was less affluent. And they were going to nice dinners, and I I was somebody at some point had said to me, you know, Matt, you seem to know a lot of people. You should throw parties, and I was like, well, what does that mean? And, you know, at this point, it was really like promoting parties for somebody else. You would bring your friends, drink for free, and get paid. And I was like, sounds, sounds, sounds like a play. Where do I sign up? You know, and yeah. that's, so that, that's kind of how it started. And it did grow. You know, I think, um, you know, Carlos, who's, who's one of my partners and, and my oldest partner, 
I don't mean how old he, I mean, how well the time that we have been partners, he is also the oldest, but uh, he, uh, he and I started throwing parties together in 2000, maybe six. And those parties got quite large. You know, we really started throwing these very large Halloween parties that were, you know, 1500 to 2000 people. But in the, in the early days, it was, you know, anywhere from, 50 friends to a few hundred. Yeah. That's amazing. And so you said you had a brief stop at JP Morgan and then you went to hospitality. So what were, what was your first kind of venture into hospitality? Was that when you formed authentic or was there a stop first? No, I, you know, I, I would describe like the early period of You know, it, it, it. Some could perceive it as a bit um, chaotic, varied. I think for Carlos and I, we were just focused on on really having having venues that our our friends, who were also our customers, could could be a part of twenty four hours a day. So you know, the the smile was first. It was a full service restaurant, breakfast, lunch, dinner on Bond Street. Yeah. And that was followed by Jane Ballroom, which was only a few months later. So that was March 2009 was the smile. June 2009 was the Jane. And then we figured, well, we have like a really like pretty sophisticated nightclub. We need like the opposite. We need like wild, grimy less sophisticated nightclub. So we opened a nightclub called the Westway. If you had been, you would remember it. Uh, unless your night was, was as wild as many's were and you forgot it, but it was a, it was a full nude strip club that we had purchased and converted into a dance club. So then we had like full service restaurant. We had sophisticated nightclub, less sophisticated nightclub. Then we felt like we needed, a takeaway version of our full service restaurant. So something more casual. So we opened smile to go. We had a few summers operating rush Myers and Montauk, the food and beverage there. That was maybe 2013, 2014, 2015, maybe. I don't, don't quote me on that. And so we had like Montauk summer, you know, we were a little over the place. And then um, Carlos started doing some consulting work and I opened black seed bagels um but so now we had like breakfast and i would like leave the nightclub and get a hot bagel you know at four or five in the morning and so that was that was the early part that i would describe as being you know just really focused on having 24 hours worth of stuff for our friends right and 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 then you know I think we started to think about how we can be more efficient, how we can uh, have maybe a more balanced quality of life. You know, having 24 hours worth of stuff was <laughs> did not a uh, balanced quality of life make. Uh, and so, um, you know, Black Seed has a great, terrific team. Um, and then we really wanted to put together a great, and terrific team on the nightlife side, because uh, that was an area where 
we 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 have always felt like we we do a great job and we're we're a little bit different in the way we operate and so we opened uh, the public with Ian Schrager and a handful of other folks and so we focused really on the on the basement venue called Public Arts yeah which was we had kind of tried to extract some of the stuff we had learned from our previous nightlife venues and we wanted a space that we could do really great events with kind of best in class AV capabilities we wanted to do more of what we started doing at the Westway but our our AV capabilities were were the worst uh so concerts comedy dance um we, i mean magic and we 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 started to experiment with a lot of things and so we wanted to want to do all those great cultural stuff and then we wanted to continue to do nightlife so public arts was really this kind of three-legged chair um and we were there working with ian for for a few years before we opened and then about a year after and and soon after that COVID happened and that kind of really shook up shook everything up um but i think for us it was it was really quite positive because carlos and i reflected on on the last you know 12 years of doing this and felt like we love we love the evening but we're getting older and and we've met some great people along the way, so let's 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 continue to to lean in here and build out a team of of best in class team members. And so that's when Matt Charles came aboard. It's when Caitlin Prince came aboard, and and Jeff DeCanio. And we just we we just kept we just at we just we just built a great team, right? And so that's authentic today, uh, which is uh, Pebble Bar. Georgia Room, Bar Calico, Jackson Bond, uh, and Rays. Wow. I mean, you had some legendary spots like the Jane Ballroom um, and, you know, like you said, Westway. Was it just organic as you grew, you know, the smile to the Jane, to the Westway? Was it just things that were available, you know, that you, because also it was 2008, 2009, which was also a challenging time, you know, before COVID hit you. So, was it just organic Were these just ideas that you had and the spaces became available or you had these ideas and then you found the spaces just curious how that process worked back then. we've been really thoughtful about the the, the brick and mortar you yeah. know that the space has to speak to us i think there's always ideas swirling in our heads but but the the space brings them to life and sometimes it does create the concept you know the west way which which is unique um carlos had rented it out for a party for an artist uh at a gallery he was helping with and we went to the i went to the party because we were close friends and we were like there's some this there's some this place is was wired you know there's the energy running through the walls here is you know it's real and so that was, you know, a kind of an art world party. There were some projections where the artist was Doug Aitken, um, who's a pretty well-known artist. 
And then we we decided maybe six months later, maybe a year later, to to do our own party there, and we rented the venue, and it was a Valentine's Day party, of course, and that party was was pretty wild, pretty fun, and again, it kind of confirmed for us there's there's energy in this building that is undeniable, right? And that's when we we started the the uh, process to to actually acquire the lease and and so the 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 the, if you look at across our places and i would say include the smile and smile i mean smile is now jackson bond but you know the smile to go and even black sea like we we don't love certain kinds of real estate and then we love other kinds of real estate uh i mean we're opportunistic there's no one driving us to open more things with that said, we will open more things because there's lots of great real estate and lots of interesting stories. And, you know, with the Jane, I mean, the part of the story that I didn't tell is that we, we were, we were, we were not unfamiliar to the building. The, uh, when I was convinced by a friend of mine to throw parties again, when I was working at JP Morgan, it was in the building. It was, uh, if you recall, um, we had a restaurant in the off the lobby of the Jane called Old Rose, and and the, we closed it during COVID um, and didn't reopen it. But before Old Rose, it was Cafe Gitan. Before Cafe Gitan, it was Socialista. Before Socialista, it was a place called Salon. And so now I'm going back to maybe 2006, seven. Right. It was a place called Salon. And so I did a party at Salon that went on for maybe a year and a half. And I, the, the, the plan was I would do the downstairs and they were downtown kids. Mm. And my friend Jeff Zelaznik would do the upstairs and they were uptown kids. And so that was... Um, so I always loved the building and I loved the story and the age and the beauty. I mean, it is just one of those absolutely incredible structures that there's only so many right. with such rich history in and, New York. Yeah, exactly. And do you partner with designers when you, back then, you know, for the Jane and the smile? The Jane, you know, Sean designed the Jane and he is, a you know, a, a multi-hyphenate operator owner designer um the smile we, we money was tight in the early days you know for the projects that we did ourselves and i mean it we're still disciplined but uh we had put together a team of of a very talented uh antique dealer who has a shop up in germantown new york but but previously he was in williamsburg uh, Luke Scarola, he had a shop called Luddite, and he basically assembled uh, all these incredible antiques, and we just kind of built a place around them. That's cool. Um, and then, you know, over the years, we have leveled up, I guess, was one way to describe it. Um, but we've also come to really appreciate that the, the design of these spaces 
is really critical to them feeling right. right. Um, and it's not, you know, we don't farm it out. I, I think probably John and Christine would describe us as involved, but, but we trust our collaborators and we try to pick the right ones. Got it. Got it. Um, okay. And then how did you meet Carlos, your partner? He, uh, he was doing the, the marketing for a denim company called um, Ernest Zone, and they had a shop on Washington. I loved that shop. Yeah, no, it was a great shop. They were made great denim, and they would do they would do a really kind of innovative thing that Carlos created, which is they would do these once a month installations. They had a small back room. And instead of just putting more denim in this back room, they would do these partnerships. And he, as the marketing person, would create and identify who these kind of collaborators would be. And so after one of them, he was looking for a space to do an after party. And Salon, which is at the J, was at the Jane Hotel. And, you know, this was such a rich period in that neighborhood where... Um, uh, Florent was was open, and you know it was just it was a it was a great neighborhood that that lacked some of the gloss that it has now. Uh, and he wanted to stay close to the store, so uh, a mutual friend of ours had said, "Oh, you should talk to my friend Matt. He does his party uh, around the corner, a couple blocks away." And and we were introduced, and we became fast friends. And you know that's that's how we met. And the rest is history. Yeah, history. <laughs> um, okay, so. One more question before we get to the where you are today. Um, what was it like working with Ian and creating public arts, which was you know very different for what New York had elsewhere? I mean, Ian is he is a uh, he is a, an incredible entrepreneur uh, who I consider myself lucky to have spent as much time with him as I as I did in the process leading up to to opening the public. Uh, and then having it open, um, you know, public arts was different. Uh, you know, it was a model that um, was designed to do more than just be a nightclub. Um, and if I and I've reflected on our our first year, and I mean, we had we accomplished an enormous amount. Um, from having great live music performances. I mean, Patti Smith, Grizzly Bear, Billie Eilish, um, Francis and the Lights, Christine and the Queens, Rostam. I mean, there, and there's a long list. And then comedy, we had Michael Che. We launched a couple of comedy shows that kind of went on to be quite successful. We had magic. We had dance. I mean, we kind of did all the things that we wanted to do. Um, and it built a really rich community around the, around the space. Events were a significant part of the economics. And to this day, I think the room is largely an event venue. Um, and, and the night was, was fun. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so it was, it was it was a great experience. I'm thankful for it. It, it. it you know, Ian also works with terrific people. So I would never have met Matt Charles. I would have never met Caitlin Prince. And so 
uh, our team is, you know, our businesses are better because of the public. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that experience. Amazing. All right. So COVID happens. Um, did you have to, I mean, that had to be tough operating all these different venues. I mean, did you have to let everyone go? Did you stay, you know, like what everyone has a different COVID story, but. The nighttime was not open. You know, there, there was no, um, and it was disappointing, obviously. And there were moments where I was like, Carlos, is this it? You know, are we, are we done? Is this is so we're going to, you know, I had a second kid during that period. Carlos had a second kid. Like, is this, is this it? You know, but then honestly, we started to get excited about the energy that would, you know, the, 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 uh, the reawakening of the city. And that June, uh, June 2020, God, I don't remember, was it 21 or 22? But it was that June when things started to open again. It was like, it was incredible. And so we swung where we were like, we're going to lean out, so we're going to lean in. And uh, and we were able to bring back so many of the great people that that, that had gone elsewhere. They moved to their parents' house in Florida. Or, you know, there's people kind of in our business and that part of the business had kind of scattered and then, and then they kind of, they came back and, um, and it was, it was an incredibly memorable period. And then Omicron happened and that was really a kick in the gut, but it's, yeah. um, but we, you know, we were, we were working on pebble bar throughout that process. Mm-hmm. People, what's it like at rock center? I'd be like, it's the best time to, I've never, you know, you, everyone should go to Rock Center right now. I mean, it was, uh, you know, there was nobody there. Uh, but we were working on it. The opportunity to do Georgia Room and Bar Calico, that that was only possible because of COVID. Um, and so challenging, but frankly, it worked out yeah. for us. Gave us new opportunities. Yeah. So let's go through some of them. So Pebble Bar, as you mentioned, it's in Rock Center. Um, It's in a really cool townhouse that just, you know, stands on one of the corners and you kind of look at it like, oh, you know, it's like surrounded by these big buildings and then this really cool um, townhouse. Again, was that a property that came to you, you know, and then you got to create what it was inside or? I think it is. It, kind of a microcosm for, I think, how we generally open projects, which is, you know, I've maintained a great friendship with someone I met years ago who who works in leasing at Tishman. She, she previously worked um, for uh, a leasing company that, that worked on Hudson Eats, Brookfield Place. Mm-hmm. And she, um, she said, man, I want to show you this space. You know, it used to be a bar and we're thinking of maybe it should be a bar again. And I said, let's see it. And I went to see it. And, you know, at the time, I mean, the in, the outside was the outside that you see today. The inside was, you know, it was just like a random office from like the 90s. It was not particularly impressive. Um but I just knew, you know, especially having worked in Midtown from 2000 
2005 to 2009, you know, what a, what a dearth of quality places there are. And I mean, that's not fair, but I would say because because there's people that, that do a great job in Midtown, but, but a quality, a, a lack of downtown inspired venues, you know, places with intimacy, places with character, you know, you, you can only do so much when you're in the base of a giant office building where the ceiling heights are, you know, 16 feet tall and it's concrete and glass. So there's there's only so many options to do something else. Right. Uh, and the, the, the history um, and the architecture and the location. I mean, if you literally drop a pin in the middle of Manhattan. It it lands very close <laughs> to that corner, um, and so yeah, Alyssa sh- showed it to us. I said, "We're we're in. Let's figure out the details." And it took a long time to do that. I mean, I don't know, six yeah. months or something. Uh, and and then we signed the lease September two thousand nineteen. Oh wow! But the landlord had some work to do demoing the space, building the staircases. And so we didn't get the keys to do our work until February, 2021. Wow. So we were locked loaded before COVID and then things moved a little slowly and then started to pick up steam again in February, 2021. How you mentioned John and Christine before of the show, you you had worked with them previously, so correct, and so you wanted to bring them back for this space. Well, we I, we had worked with them in kind of a, a not unusual relationship, but we were not the client. It was they were working with Shinola, designing right. store in Los Angeles and a store in uh, Dumbo, and we. Uh, had a history of opening like kind of a coffee concept in Shinola uh, when they had their store in Tribeca, their first store, uh, New York store. We hadn't worked super closely, but we really liked them and we knew them. They lived at the time on Bond Street and they lived there for quite a while. So we 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 knew them socially and and respected them and had had had, had done some work, but but in kind of a more collaborative way, I guess. And we were at a wedding, all of us. And I had told John originally about the project and he was just like, Christine, you got to hear this, you know? And then it's like, and then I told him where it was and what it was. And he was just like, we have to do it. You know, let's, we're in, we'll figure out the details later. And so that was the, but I knew they would get it. I, you know, it's like, it is, it's so quintessentially New York that I felt really strongly I, I, we, we needed to work with with someone or, or a team that really understood New York and could kind of bring a little bit of that downtown energy to a space that is very much not that. And I think that that combination is part of what makes it so special. I mean, it feels like someone's Kind of had, there's a residential uh, component to that place um, that I think John and Christine really kind of excel at that 
that that combination of residential and commercial hospitality being kind of right in the center of that. Yeah. And did you want, did you tell them to create that intimate space that it is? Cause it is like you, it's almost like a breath of fresh air when you walk in right off the busy streets of rock center and you come in and it's just, you know, it feels like, you know, feels like a townhouse feels like somebody's home, you know, it really has that mood and that, you know, just the, the, you know, the simplicity that actually makes it stand out. I think if that makes sense. <laughs> when you leave there, like after, like I've gone in there, you know, I don't know, five or six o'clock and it's still a little light out. And then you spend a couple hours in there and you come out and you're just like, whoa, like, yeah. where am I? Exactly. Like, you're like, <laughs> going, going in is jarring. And then sometimes coming out, it's like, wow. Like, am I literally one block from Times Square? Because this is insane. But, you know, I, I would think, I would say that the extent I mean, it's might not be entirely fair, but the the majority of of my kind of description or my mandate was I kind of created this idea in my head of a moment in time that didn't really exist. Like it was this moment of of Johnny Carson kind of moving to L.A. and Saturday Night Live moving in. Um, and they didn't actually overlap. I think it was a, it was actually a couple of years different. But you know, I just a scenario where you know that that second floor that you come into there, it's like John Belushi at the bar, and he's like buying shots for everyone, you know. And that that's and then you kind of walk up the stairs, and you're on the third floor, still very much a bar, but there people are at tables, and there's like Dan Aykroyd in the corner, you know, like telling a story you know to a group of a handful of really curious fans you know and then at the very top there's a a, a very intimate kind of uh power meeting happening between like johnny carson and i don't know the Henry Kissinger. So, you know, they're real, like a real serious conversation with a serious drink, you know? Uh, and that was how we kind of thought of each floor. And then we kind of let John and Christine, you know, then I think John and Christine really kind of made it, made it come to, to reality. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. And then the Georgia room that's at the freehand, um, how did you want that to be different or add to your portfolio? You know, because I mean, is that something too that you always are thinking about, like creating these different experiences so you're almost not competing with yourself or, you know, or again, like building your portfolio? Is it, you know, more what fits the space? I think there's a little bit of both. Yeah. You know, I think at this point we weren't, we weren't working with the, the public, but but we were well aware of the benefit of events and scale. And, you know, it felt at times we wanted to have kind of an East side Jane, but one where we can do a lot of private events because of the proximity to Midtown and the proximity to Flatiron. And it was Melissa Bowers who helped us with the design there. And the space was originally designed 
by you know no slouches um roman williams so the there was stuff there that was interesting um but it was definitely not a night venue and melissa really helped us shape it into a venue that that would work better for the night you know previously that floor it was a full service restaurant with with a with fixed seating that occupied a, a large part of the the georgia room and then eventually they swapped it out but it was still very much a full service restaurant with kind of like a coffee bar in the middle section and then the small bar at the very end which uh uh, bar calico was a, a bar called the georgia room so it was it was creating a narrative that connected all three spaces but but focused on the night as opposed to kind of the day got it got it got it and you know being in a hotel too was helpful right doesn't hurt yeah. um you know <laughs> you know that hotel is unique in that you have a bar on the rooftop you have a bars on the second floor you have smile to go which which is us on the ground floor there's a terrific restaurant on the 23rd street site so th there's a lot of there's a lot of f and b there um so we knew that while being in the hotel would be helpful we would really have to we would have to build something that connected with with new yorkers um and i think what we've done there thankfully has right I don't know if we mentioned the hotel. It's at the freehand. <laughs> Just so yeah. people know where we are, what we're talking about. Um, awesome. And then, um, so, and then why did you decide to redo the smile? Why was it time, I guess, to rejigger that into Jack's? Well, the city evolves, yeah. you know, and it's like a living organism. And in our business, I think we can get, quite emotionally attached to things you know it's i think about my previous life working at jp morgan and you know i kind of turn my spreadsheets off and go home and come in the next morning and start working on them again you know but our business like you can't sleep you know there's like this i i don't know it's it, it is it's hard not to get emotionally attached to the kind of work we do and the smile in 2009 when we opened it was exactly what the neighborhood needed you know me and carlos and our partner melia we we each lived within like three blocks of that place um you know melia was on second carlos was on on first uh ave melia was on second street and i was on elizabeth like we were and all our friends lived in that kind of neighborhood. And it was a mixed concept. We had a cafe, we had retail, we even had a tattoo shop in the basement. I mean, we were, yeah, I was 25 years old and our friends lived in and around that place. And, you know, 2024, 23, pardon me, I skipped ahead, 2020. Three, yeah, that's when we we closed it. Um, there's been a lot of dates. I think I'm doing a decent job, but it, it is uh, you know no one's perfect. The, uh, we close it, 
And, you know, you think about a concept that's open breakfast, lunch, dinner, 8 a.m. to midnight, serving mostly eggs, trying to serve affordable food in a neighborhood that unquestionably has gotten more fancy. Yeah. You know, it was a tough, it was a, it was a business model that was not perfectly aligned with where the neighborhood had, had evolved into karmically. It's kind of a funny loop because both the Jane and the smile were both these kind of 14 year roughly loops. Mm-hmm. So both closed in 2023. Um, so, you know, you have to evolve. And I think for, for Jackson bond, like, it's a really beautiful, really excellent concept from top to bottom, you know, and, and we've got all, we've got all our collaborators. We're working. I mean, it's, you know, from Jeremiah and Fabian from Wild Deer and Contra to, you know, uh, Angelo from Awake doing the, the uniforms, John and Christine, obviously designing the place. It's, it's it's a ter- it's a terrific concept, and it it serves a really important purpose in the neighborhood, which is a place where people can go for a casual drink, where anyone can make a reservation, where anyone can walk in. There's room before dinner, after dinner. You know, we open at five p.m., we close at midnight, and it works. And you know, sometimes things aren't aligned, and they need to be. Aligned, and it requires you to close something and start something new. And I, I think in our business, people get attached sometimes to what they think something should be. And so that's the story of the smile into yeah. Jack's. Well, I mean, I guess it's hard to, you know, to rethink one of your first babies, right? You know, so it takes, but it's good to do at the same time. So speaking of that, what, how has FMB and the bar scene in New York changed over the last, you know, call it 10 years, 15 years that you've been? I, what are you seeing people wanting more of today? It's a good question. I mean, and again, it, it's always evolving. But, you know, there was a certain kind of nightlife that we did at an earlier part of our careers that that moved largely to Brooklyn. You know, when I think of a place like the West Way, the West Way today would probably live in Brooklyn. Right. Just it, the, what we're doing. Um, and there's a lot of great venues doing that kind of nightlife in Brooklyn. And I think Manhattan, for a whole bunch of reasons, it's harder to do that. Um, in some cases, your your guests don't live here. You know, a lot of them have moved to Brooklyn, but also the, 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 to have real estate that's that size is expensive and it's less expensive there. Um, a lot of the, sometimes the creative class that helps make some of these environments really interesting. Like they, they really live in primarily in Brooklyn now. Um, yeah. But, most people still work in Manhattan and we like to go out to great restaurants in Manhattan and some of us 
live in Manhattan. And so I think that to have places that that just want to do a great job, you know, they want to provide great service, want to have great drinks. Like there's no, there's no shortage of demand for, for places that take those things seriously. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I've, I've had conversations with people about private clubs and obviously I feel a particular way about them, which is not great, but, I, but, but, you know, somebody had said that they like the private club that they go to because they know their name. Okay. And I said, we know people's name too. You know, I think it's incumbent on the owner to care about those things. And if you care about them, then you'll make people feel like they're part of your club, you know. Um, And it doesn't require a membership fee to be part of our club, you know. Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, no shortage of demand for nightlife in Manhattan. It has just a little different than it was 10 years ago. Yeah. How much of the, you know, how much of the process are you still involved in? Are you still into the details and the nitty gritty or is there part of the process you love? And then how does it work with, you know, um, with your partners too, um, with, with Matt and, and Carlos? I think, you know, and I think we've just, we've got a great team, you know, and, and, um, I definitely, you know, again, I, over time you realize, you know, it's like, I mean, I, you know, sports analogies can be, um, well, I wouldn't be the first one to have used one, but, you know, it's like to win a championship, you need to have a great team. You know, one all-star is probably not going to win a championship. And so, you know, Matt is a, is a really outstanding operator. Carlson and I did a pretty good job, but we, you know, it's, we, we, we were, you know, there was, there are people that were better at that than, than we are, you know, and Matt is definitely one of them, you know, as I think of like events, which are a very large part of our business, like Caitlin is a event prodigy. I mean, literally like she is an absolute pro, um, you know, Jeff, who who is one of our directors of operation, like he's been he's been operating these places for years. You know, he ran Surf Lodge. And if you run Surf Lodge, you can pretty much run anything. You know, it's uh, it's so you know we're only you know what I personally like to do is I I like to identify neat opportunities, and my highest and best value is probably assisting on the on the early end on the front end of of realizing these opportunities making them kind of come to reality a bit and then you know passing it on to people that can operate the businesses better than me right well that's good i mean it's what what do they always say you know surround yourself with people that are better at things than you are so <laughs> I, I believe so strongly in them that i mean there's no i in team would be probably the the one we learn about when we're young but it's so true and we you know we've we've all encountered people in this line of work that do have, have a bit more of a my way mentality and you know 
because we approach it like a marathon, not a sprint, because we've got nobody pushing us to do new things, like having a great team also helps us have a good quality of life, you know, like, you know, part of the, part of why, and everyone gets into this line of work for a different reason. It, it is a, it is a line of work that invites a variety of impulses, I guess. And for us, and this is across our entire team, our general managers included, like we just like people having a good time. Like we want to help people have a good time. New York, it can be intense. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot going on. And I've always described New York like a highway. Like some people have a really easy time kind of merging and some people, you know, it's touch and go there. Uh, and we just want to help people have a good time. And we don't want to make ourselves a central part of their experience. We want them to have the experience. We just want to help make it happen. And, um, and we have a team where everyone shares that same kind of philosophical foundation. Well, it's easier said than done, right? I mean, where does form meet function meet operation? You know, it's a fine line. I mean, where do you think you all find, you know, find that success, right? Because it, it, it is almost a, not a formula, but, you know, something you have to kind of figure out for each property. property. I guess that's part of the secret sauce. I don't know. <laughs> you think, you know, people who have have a, have good balance i mean at the at the operational level who who have good work life balance who enjoy what they do who are positive you know who abstain from some of the temptations that exist in our business that are just focused on again helping our guests have a great time and and then the way that each property finds its finds its own kind of spot to thrive i think it's it relates a little bit to the lesson that we talked about about the smile is is being okay that things will evolve a bit from what you originally anticipate that they will be you know yeah like like that's okay that's part of the fun you know is yeah. kind of watch it evolve a bit communicate well with the folks on the ground and 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 be a bit malleable be a bit open-minded and then then you find it yeah was there one project that was the most challenging over the last few years or something you learned the most from i think a lesson i've learned and i, I will you know it's something that i i am reminded of um is just you know Partnership, uh, the partnerships are like marriages and it's important to take the time to pick the right partners. Yeah. Um, you know, I think about my partnership with Carlos, which is 14 years long. And I think it's operating better today than it ever has. And it's made both of our lives better and the quality of lives better. And I think it's about being patient, picking the right partners. It's the lessons I've learned with a few of projects uh, that will, I won't mention, but you know, important to important lesson 
Yeah. Is why do you think now more than ever it's working? Is it just now that you guys know each other that well? You know, you've been through so much together that you can kind of like read minds almost. <laughs> there's that, but there's also evolving. You know, when when he and I decided we probably should add a partner. You know, if we want our business to be better, we should probably add a partner. And I don't think we disagreed at all about that. I don't think we disagreed when we eventually um, chatted with Matt about it, you know, and I frankly, any disagreement that's happened internally has been, is a helpful part of the process, you know? And, and so I, I think that malleability, you know, like remind, like, you know, just being open-minded and being flexible. Yep. It's important probably in lots of businesses, but I think in our business, it's particularly important. Yeah. Yeah. This, the business you're in is not an easy one. So um, it's 24 hours. Huh. <laughs> Going back to that. <laughs> Um, amazing. Well, I think that's a perfect place to stop because we usually end the podcast on the question, uh, the title of the podcast, which is what I've learned. So thank you so much for sharing the last, uh, last hour with us. Um, really appreciate it. Um, and, uh, can't wait to see what you guys do next. Well, we've got a couple things in the, uh, in the queue. So looking forward to sharing it with you. Thanks for listening to Hospitality Designs, What I've Learned. If you like what you've heard, subscribe and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find full episodes and transcripts at hospitalitydesign.com.